I want to read a scripture and, uh, and then explain what's going on. Listen, listen to these verses. It says, Whenever someone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. For the Lord is the Spirit, and wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So all of us who have had th- that veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us more and more like him as we are changed into his glorious image. I think we kind of sang about that this morning, you know. Just the, when, if we're in Jesus, there is freedom. We have a team of people that just meet and pray. And as they pray on Sunday mornings, they are asking God for, for encouragements for us. And, and here's, here was the encouragement that they thought they heard from God. That they, not they thought, but they heard from God this morning. Is, is there was this picture being painted of just this beautiful scenery. And the, and the picture just showed, showed a seascape and landscape and vibrant colors. And, and this, is the, this is how God sees you. Okay? I'm trying not to mess this up. But we think God sees us in a different way, and because we think God sees us in a different way, we go around with these really dark glasses. And so we think God sees us through this lens of these dark glasses. And, and here, here's the challenge or the encouragement. that take those, To take those glasses down, when we start to remove those dark glasses, we start to be able to see how God sees us. Does that make sense? And so, so as we've talked about identity, I know a lot of times we put on ourselves and we say things like, yeah, but, yeah, but you don't know what my past is. Yeah, but you don't know what last night was for me. Yeah, but, yeah, but. And these are these dark glasses. And, and God's saying, if that's you, you need to take those glasses off and let him show you who you are, how he sees you. And so if, if you're receiving that on any level, if you're saying, yeah, I've kind of that kind of, um, that's me. Here's, here's, what, here's what you need to do. At the end of our time, right, when I go down and, and I'm done, we're going to have worship and then there's going to be people that want to pray with you. And you just have to walk up and say, yeah, I have those dark glasses. And you know, part of that word that they heard from God is we all, we all look at these glasses. We all wear these glasses. But then there's some very specific people that just, the, the, the vision, the, the, the tent is really dark. And God wants you to take those off and understand your identity in him. So at the end of service, if that's you, would you come up and just say, yeah, I'm, I'm one that has dark glasses. And the people will pray for you. And, and, you, and you, you'll be able to begin to, to remove those and, and understand how God sees you, okay? And, and so like, like Rick said this morning, we're wrapping up this, this series that we've been in for, since Easter, since the week after Easter. And we're, we've called it bookends. And... To be honest with you, it never, st- it never intended to be a series on identity. It, it, it started off just to be kind of a, a, a series on us understanding the Bible and how the Bible plays out in our life. And, and as we studied it out, it started to really come into focus that, no, this is an identity thing, that God sees us in a certain way. We see ourselves in a different way. And, and, and so it turned into this identity thing. And, and I, I kind of want to explain why the word bookends. You see that? Why, why did we call it bookends? Here's, here's kind of the vision I had. <laughs> you ever, you pick up a novel. Let's just make it a love story. You could pick up that book, and you can maybe, you can maybe read the first chapter or two and understand what's starting to go on. And, if, and you could just kind of flip to the back, and you could read the, the ending and figure out what's going on. 
And you, you can kind of understand what happens in this love story based on the, the first chapter or two and the very ending. So, so here, here, here's an example. It says this. John was a fisherman, strong and weathered. Mary was a beautiful woman who owned the restaurant where John would eat every morning before long days at sea. So that would be the beginning. Anybody interested in this book? I just wrote it. So it's just on this paper. <laughs> so that's the beginning. So you can read that. And okay, you got Mary, you got John. They, they have this interaction. And then you turn to the end and it says, and they lived happily ever after. There's, there's your bookends. Maybe the end will say this. John never returned from sea that stormy day. And Mary never gave her heart to another person. Which one would be better? But you know, in these, in these books, there's a beginning, there's an end. And in the middle of a book, you know, we have tension, we have conflict, we have an antagonist a lot of times, we have a hero. And things always work out, right? And so we've been looking at, at our identity and through the eyes of creation and, and through what's taken place in the, in the, in the Bible. And the past few weeks, here, here's what we looked at. The first week, we looked at perfection, that our identity was given by God in creation. And if you read in the very beginning, the very first part of this end of, this, of the book, you'll find that God, God made you in his image, and it was good. It was very good. That's the beginning. And then we looked at the next week, we looked at the problem. And the problem was the identity that was lost through lies. And, and, and you could read just another chapter in on chapter 3 of, of Genesis, and you find that there was a, there was a problem in that, that Satan, through a serpent, came and fed Adam and Eve a, a bunch of lies through deceit. They believed it. And now there's separation between the identity of how God made us and where we're sitting today. But then there's a plan. God made a plan. And the plan was that he had restored our identity through Jesus Christ. And when we take communion, like Rob said, we're not only saying, Jesus, thank you. We remember for what you, for what you did. But we're saying, we now see the freedom of what you brought. We're remembering that you brought freedom and, and restoration to our lives for, for eternity because of what you did on the cross. Last week, we talked about the process, and that's our identity lived out in Christ. And that process is that, that God made us ambassadors uh, in this world for his kingdom. That God said to, to us, you guys get to be the ones who represent me in this world. Go out and do it. It's a huge task. It's an, it's an awesome honor that God did that. That he, he placed in us the authority to be his mouthpieces in this world. And so today, here's what we're going to look like. Paradise, we're going to look at paradise. And it's our, our, our identity focused on eternity. And that's the other end of the book. And so each week, we've, we've given these assignments. And the first week was a, an assignment to say, God, who do you say that I am? So, so the idea was to go home and just ask God, who do you say that I am? Because in the beginning, he created you in his image. And so we wanted you to go home and just let God tell you, you're worth it. You're, you're, you're chosen. I see you in my image, a reflection of me. The next week, the assignment was to ask God, what lies about myself have I believed? God, if, if Satan wants to tell me lies to disrupt that identity that you've created in me, or you've created, 
What are the lies? What are the specific lies about my life? And, and, and we ask you to press into that. And, and we ask you that when God, when God gives you those lies to renounce those lies, because you know that those lies are untrue based on your asking him, what are the lies? The next week we, we said to take those lies, <clears throat> put them in a box, and, and just kind of visualize yourself putting them in a box and handing those lies to Jesus because Jesus restores your identity. So these lies are no longer true. I, I'm giving them away. I don't want them a part of my life. And then to ask, ask Jesus, what do you have for me in return? What truth about myself do you, do you want to give me? And then last week, the, the challenge was to go home and just really press into committing to being an ambassador for Christ. To say, I understand my identity. I understand who I am in you. And I understand that you've, you've created a role for me in your kingdom and, and to be a mouthpiece for your kingdom. And I'm going to go do that. So that, that, that's been our, our, our kind of back, background of the past few weeks. And so this morning, we're going to wrap it up with this, this paradise, this idea of paradise, the other end of the book, and our identity focused on eternity. So, if, so, so here's, here's the bookends, just so we understand them. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. This is the beginning of, of the story. God looked over all that he had made, and he saw that it was very good. Genesis one thirty one. So this is how it was meant to be. God's creation, it was very good. That's how God set it out. Now if you turn to Revelation, here's what we'll, we would read in Revelation 20. It says, I saw an angel coming down from heaven with the key to the bottomless pit and a heavy chain in his hand. He seized the dragon, that old serpent, who is the devil, Satan, and bound him in chains for a thousand years. The angel threw him into the bottomless pit, which he then shut and locked, so Satan could not deceive the nations anymore until a thousand years were finished. Afterwards, he must be released for a little while. You can read on in that and understand that. If you go to to verse 7, it says, When the thousand years comes to an end, Satan will then be let out of prison. Verse 8 says, He will then go out and deceive the nations. You see, his tactics stay the same. Lying and deceiving. But then if you read down in verse 20 or verse 10, it said the devil who had deceived them was thrown into a fiery lake of burning sulfur, joining the beasts and the false prophets. There they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. Now here's the good part of it for our identity. Verse chapter 21, it says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the old heaven and the old earth had disappeared, and the sea was also gone. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from God, out of the heaven like a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. I heard loud shout from the throne saying, Look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. And all these things are gone forever. And the one sitting on the throne said, Look, I am making everything new. And then he said to me, Write this down, for what I tell you is trustworthy and true. And he also said, it is finished. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To all who are thirsty, I will give freely from the spring of the water of, living li- water of life. To all who are victorious, I will inherit all these blessings. And I will be their God, and they will be my people. And this is how it's going to be. This is the victory. This is God, if you read the end of the book, of our story. This is God winning. This is Satan losing. 
This is, this is how we will, if you, if you have a relationship with Jesus, if you say, I'm a follower of Jesus, this is how you will spend eternity. And so when we understand our identity and we can say, our identity was stripped from us because of sin, <clears throat> but because of Jesus, we now have a restored identity. And for eternity, I'm going to have a place amongst God, in relationship with God, just like how he created it to be in the beginning. It should set our minds in a different path than maybe what they are today. And so when I, when I read this and I think about this, I come up with a question because I say, if I know who I am in Jesus because he restored my identity, and I know that I'm supposed to be an ambassador between now and the time I die for the kingdom of God, how do I live amongst the muck and the junk and the crap of this world and keep moving forward in that identity. Because just because I understand who, who, what my identity is doesn't mean that it's not going to be attacked. I think Rick shared this morning, he's understanding who, is, who he is in Christ, and through the week, he's being hammered about who he is in Christ. Satan doesn't just, oh man, this guy figured it out, I'm going to move on to the next guy. No. <laughs> Let's not be deceived in that one. He's still coming after us. You probably have a bigger target on your back. Because now when you understand who you are and you understand that you have authority to go tell people and say, come on, there's a new place for you, you're doing work against the kingdoms of this world and you're doing work for the kingdoms of heaven. And so you're, you're not going to be left alone. So what do we do? What do we do with all this that we, we know about our identity? And I found, I thought of two, like, duh, answers to that. Like, the first is that we keep our eyes on Jesus. Look at, in, in Hebrews it says this. Now Hebrews chapter 11 is a whole chapter dedicated to showing the people of, of ancient who walked in faith with God. It's saying this person walked in faith with God. This person, it's, just, it's a list of names saying how they walked in faith with God. Champions of the faith. The Old Testament prophets. As, as this was written by the author, that, the author of Hebrews is probably part of that list now. Billy Graham's part of that list today. People who have walked out their life for God's kingdom are now on that list. So that's chapter 11. So now chapter 12 says, says this. Therefore, since we're surrounded by a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith. So put, put this in your, in your mind. Put this picture of a stadium an arena, a huge crowd. And every single person in that crowd has walked a life of faith, has walked in their identity, and has de- finished well, okay? They've won, and now they're in eternity with Jesus. And you are the athlete on the ground. You're the person that's running the race, and every single one of those people are there to cheer you on. So you get, to get that in your head, right? That... You're being cheered on to walk this faith, okay? You're surrounded by a huge crowd of witnesses. It says, let let us strip off every weight that slows us down. So continue picturing yourself in little shorty shorts, Justin. A tank top. Really nice running shoes with the little spikes. You're not wearing jeans and a heavy coat. You're throwing the crap of this world. I'm using that word specifically. It's the closest cuss word I could say. I'd be saying something different in my home. 
But you're stripping that off, right? Strip off every weight that slows you down, especially the sin that trips you up, that so easily trips you up. And run with endurance the race that God set before you. You get this picture, right? You're being cheered on by people of faith. And they're, and they're saying, you can do it. We did it. You can do it. Get rid, of the, get rid of the junk of this world. Run. And it says this. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus. There's not another option. There's not another plan. We try to make another plan, don't we? The plan is keep your eyes on Jesus. When you have a rough week, keep your eyes on Jesus. When you get that phone call in the middle of the night, keep your eyes on Jesus. When your job's in jeopardy, keep your eyes on Jesus. When your bank account's low, keep your eyes... I'll just keep going. You fill in. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep your eyes on Jesus. And it says this, the champion who initiates our perfect faith and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaited him, he endured the cross, he disregarding its shame, and now he is seated in the place of honor besides God's throne. Jesus was going from the day he landed here on earth, he, was, he knew he had to pass through this day of torment on the cross. But he knew he could do it because he knew it was on the other side. Because he knew the, the victory that awaited on the other side. He knew that whatever that day brought meant nothing compared to that was on the other side. And this is what the scripture is saying. Because Jesus did it, setting the example for us, when we set our eyes on Jesus, when we look, look forward, the stuff that's stirring around us makes no difference. You guys remember the story of Peter walking on water? Kind of walking on water? So here's, here's how the story goes. You can read in the Gospels. Jesus sends the disciples out on the sea in a boat. These are weathered fishermen like John from my story. See how I brought that around? good storyteller knows how to wrap it up. I'm not a good storyteller. But so, so Jesus sends them out. This wave is crashing. The sea is turning. They're huddled in the boat, scared. And here they see Jesus walking on the water. And Peter's like, if it's you, call me out. I want to come. And Jesus said, come on. And Peter steps out of the boat and he starts walking to Jesus. It says he was walking on the water. You can read it. So there was... Something going on there, because he was doing something that, man, we don't do. But then it says, when Peter noticed the waves and the wind and the storm around him, and he took his focus off, he began to sink. When we're in this world, regardless if you're the, you know, if you're Jack, the greatest Christian in the room, just had to, I just said that to keep him awake. He was dozing off. (laughs) These are not written in my script. Like, this is just freestyle right here, and I love it. (laughs) There's going to be storms. And it's saying, but when we keep our eyes fixated on Jesus, and we're looking past what is happening right in here, we can keep walking forward. I picture this idea of, of... Driving in traffic, not Warsaw traffic, but Chicago traffic, Atlanta traffic, L.A. traffic. If you've ever driven in traffic where it's pretty, it's moving, but it's still bumper to bumper, you can have a 1,000 cars on the freeway flowing at 60 miles an hour bumper to bumper. 
And everything's fine as long as everybody pays attention, right? If you're in that situation, you don't stare at the bumper right in front of you. You look five, eight, ten cars ahead of you because if something's, somebody's going to hit their brakes, you need to know it way up there. You don't fixate on what's happening here. You're looking way ahead. If you, if you get in a traffic situation like this and you decide, I'm just going to follow the bumper in front of me, you're going to get into a car accident. It's going to end bad because at some point, somebody's going to merge or something and brake lights are going to hit and you're going to destroy a car like that happened to that one person in Las Vegas that year. <laughs> she says I was texting. I wasn't. Yeah, most people are texting. But you, you get the picture there. You get the idea that when we focus on right here, we just we get we get turned under. We get sucked down by the waves and the wind. When we focus out on Jesus, who's perfecting our faith, we can walk through the storms of today. So that, so that's that's our first our first point. Here's a second one, real simple. We seek God's kingdom. Matthew 6.33 Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. When I fully understand who I am in Christ and everything that God has given to me and everything that I'm promised for eternity, I should be focused on his kingdom and what, what the the end looks like, what eternity looks like, rather than focused on my kingdom and what's, what's taking place here. Do you get that? We spend a lot of time focusing on 70 or 80 years of our life. We'll, we'll gamble eternity to make ourselves here fit and feel comfortable. Think about that. I will gamble eternity to build my kingdom. I'll be more concerned about that. And when I'm doing that, it's because I think that I am in control. I think that I could create who I am. I think that I, I can become my own identity. When we understand who we are in our identity in Jesus and, we're, and how, we, how we are placed as citizens of the kingdom of, the, of heaven, that's, that's who we should be serving. That's how we should be living. That's how we should be viewing. I was, we had the, the um, NFL drafts recently, right? Here's what's amazing to me. You'll hear stories of guys entering into the NFL, and they will have been prepping for that since, like, elementary school and junior high. We, we have a guy who comes in here a couple times a week and coaches elementary school kids, and parents are paying big bucks to, so that their kids can get specialized coaching. I was next door, and there was a, a guy I knew with his son. He's having his son get special training for speed and agility and this sort of thing. And you'll have a, you'll have a kid at elementary school or junior high will appear to have some sort of a, a, a very high skill set in a specific sport, and parents will pay thousands and thousands of dollars to invest in their kid and they'll, their kid will be set up like your goal in life is to make it to professional sports and everything you do from this time when you're 12 till, till when, when you get recruited into the NFL or baseball, basketball, whatever everything we do is going to focus on that have you seen this play out? 
And so the parents have specialized coaching. The kids join elite sports teams. They're no longer a part of the local schools, and they're traveling all over the country. While they're in high school, they get on um, weight, you know, weight training and exercise regimens, and 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 um, these are you know these are kids diets and you know to make their body be what it needs to be. Parents are bringing in specialized you know the, um, personal tutors. Everything is focused to say this is the end point. When you get there, you've achieved, and we're going to do everything for that. So, so I, I, I share this kind of as a sad example of how we should be doing for our lives for eternity. We should be saying, for us, it's not retirement. It's not the vacation next year. It's not whatever you think is going to be the end all for you. It's, it's eternity in heaven. That's, that's how we should be focused. God's kingdom and eternity. I want to recycle a, an illustration that I... I shared a couple years ago, and, it, and I didn't come up with this. So if you think this is brilliant, th- these things don't happen in my mind, okay? The guy, um, Francis Chan, you, you guys probably know who he is, right? Francis Chan came up with this, okay? So if you were here a couple years ago, you would have saw this. So I got a rope. You can't see where that rope ends, can you? Because it goes on for eternity. I have an eternal rope in my hand. But here's the starting point, Okay? Now, can you see that the end of it has tape on it, like that little two and a half inches of gray? This, this part right here represents our life here on earth. You get the picture? We put everything, our identity, completely in this. So in this is how people think about you. In this is your career. In this is your retirement. And we will gamble that to be comfortable for this. Do you get this picture? It's brilliant. That's why Francis Chan came up with it, and he's on YouTube, and I'm not. He says a lot more that I can't remember about this. (laughs) But you understand what I'm saying in this, don't you? You understand that we will start here And somewhere around 14 or 15, we start figuring out who we are. And usually it's because somebody's told us who we are. And that, that, that's based around, you know, who our friends are, the clothes we wear, the music we listen to, the sports we play, the, the instruments we play, the amount of money our parents have. So that determines a lot, right? Because it's who we're hanging out with. And they'll say that you're, this is who you are, Tom. And I'll spend the rest of this time being concerned about what somebody told me when I was 14 years old. Has that happened to anybody in this room? You don't have to put your hand up, but I know it has for everybody. That somewhere on this timeline, somebody's told you you're something, and it's a lie. And we will spend the rest of our time worried about that and focusing on that. Instead of reading this, the book ends, and say, God made me in his image. I spend eternity with him and in relationship and worship to him. And so wherever I'm at on this timeline, I'm going to jump the, the last day of my life, which could be today, and I'm going, to, I'm going to look way out there and say, that's how I'm going to live my life. That's what's going to be important to me. Do you get that? Put that in your head, because I think that's important. When I wake up tomorrow, am I worried about... 
what's taking place here? Or am I saying, God, I'm going to be focused on Jesus and it's your kingdom that I want to, I want to see come to pass here on earth? Okay? So let me give you some practical application. Just what do I do with this? How do I take this home? First is that you understand your identity. You have to. I'm, I'm fully convinced, fully convinced that the minute we believe the lie of who we are, we're done. We cannot be who God says we are. We can't do the things God says we can do. We can, we can, we can dabble in it. But when we fully understand who we are in Jesus, when we fully understand what, who he says we are, not what everybody else, we can then be the ambassadors he's called us to be. That's, that understanding your identity, that's why we're providing Wednesday night. That's why we're saying, come on Wednesday night. So again, sign up. Second, live kingdom-minded, keeping your eyes on Jesus. Understanding that there's eternity out there. Jesus has made the way. Focus on that. And then pick up your Bible this week and read Matthew chapter 5 through 7. Jesus in, that, in, that, in those chapters is talking about a different narrative than what we believe, what we think is happening in the world. He, he's taken all these different subjects that we, that we deal with daily and he's turning them on, the, on its head and saying, the world says this, the kingdom of God says this. The world says this, I say this. So go read those, those three chapters. Why don't you stand with me? Next week's Mother's Day. We have a couple special things planned for Mother's Day. Invite your moms. You, you that are moms. You that are aspiring moms. You that everybody fits on that somewhere. Just come. We're going to have it. We're going to celebrate moms and women. It's going to be fun. This morning, that word about the dark glasses and the need to take those off, so we can understand how God sees us and we can see the glory of, of how he made us is for somebody. It's for maybe a few somebody. So there's going to be people. You're going to, we're going to wrap up with a, a worship song and then you'll see people kind of starting to filter up here. Just come up, be bold. If you need prayer for anything, if, if you're saying, I don't understand my identity because I've, I've never said yes to Jesus, that's your first point of, of action. It's in a, maybe I understand enough that God created me the second thing is I understand that there's a relationship for me with him. There's people up here that want to pray with you and want to just walk with you in whatever you're dealing with. Sickness, something in your health, job situation, the muck of this world. There's people that want to say, let's, let's just ask God how he, what he thinks about that. And so at the, at the end of this last song, you could come up and, uh, and get prayed for. And you, you'll... Uh, You'll be blessed by it. So, And then we'll have tacos. For those of you guys that have never been to Tacos with Tom, just hang out for an extra half hour, hour or something, and we'll have a good time. So, Father, we just thank you that you call us something different, that you call us, that you've chose us. I'm your son. You have daughters. You have children, and you call us that, and you love us like a father does. Regardless of what we think, you love us. And you'll do anything for us and you, you, you take care of us. God, would you break through lies this morning in hearts. For the person right now that just is having a tough time 
understanding that and receiving that? Would you, would you break through through your Holy Spirit right now? Would that break through in such a way that they, they have to respond? They have to in, have an encounter with you. It's for your glory, Lord, that we're here. It's because we love you and because we want you to be known here in Warsaw. Amen.